All right, Lady Ada, what is this? We're back. It's us, Lady Ada, Mr. Lady Ada here on Show and Tell. We're exciting, but you know what's even more exciting? All the people are going to come by. We're excited. We're excited. We're <laughs> I don't know if we're exciting. Wow. Maybe. I think we are. Yeah. Oh, good looking. Yeah. Uh, or some people from around the mega community to come by and show up what they're working on. They're 3D printing, they're soldering, they're coding, they're debugging, their PCB assembly. All that good stuff. Let's kick it off with some Adafruit piece. Yeah, we're going to start off with uh, Scott because he has to bounce right after this. Scott, what you yeah. working on? Hey, uh, I've been doing USB host stuff, but <laughs> that's not what I came to show today. Um, I wanted to like evangelize open source, which I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, obviously you, preaching to the choir. You, you, um, and, you and me both. <laughs> right. But uh, so I, I administer the PID.codes thing, right? And um, that is USB product IDs for, for open source software and hardware. And one of the things that comes up a ton is people will post PDFs of schematics and call it open source. Say, no, no, no. Open source, as by the Oshawa definition, says that you have to produce, produce, modifiable or provide modifiable files. And the reason yeah, anything, that, it's something, but not a PDF. Yeah, right. So the reason that's really cool is that um, I remixed one of the Adafruit products here. Mm. Uh, this is a remix of the Metro M7. This is actually not out yet, so the files are actually not public, but they will be. Um, and so I re I took the SD card version of the 1011 Metro, and I remixed it to put an SWD plus trace header on it. So it it adds another 10 pins, and then it has like a four bit parallel trace header on there. Mm. Um, and that would only be possible with open hardware. Wow. Um, with the caveat, of course, that the files aren't actually. You should totally yet. start a competing company against it. <laughs> Yeah, and notice notice also one thing we always have to ask people is that I did not like it does not have Adafruit trademarks on it, although it does say based on the Adafruit Metro. And stuff. Yeah, well, that's very nice. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I that's something in my spare time. Trace allows you to see exactly all of the code that's executing as you go along. So I'm I'm pretty pretty excited about that uh, possibility for debugging, being able to see the history of how I got somewhere. So I'm playing around with that. And there is a, yeah, where did it go? I have a board to do it as well, but it's uh, currently plugged in. <laughs> the Orb Trace. Oh, yeah. um, it's open source software, but I don't think the hardware is open source. Yeah. That's a nice board layout there. Yeah, it's an ES ECP5 FPGA there. And you can see this is the other end of that. that uh, trace. I've never used one of these big trace. Yeah, so it's just good for extremely high speed debug tracing? Yeah, so on the IMX, uh, there's a, a specific unit that will just dump every time you do a branch. And so you can literally capture all of the instructions that were run uh, oh, nice. the whole time, um, which is a ton of data, um, but uh, it's super thorough. And uh, it could be really useful for like performance guided optimizations as well. Um, okay, good for I'm, USB host stuff that you're working on. Yeah, and I was actually like, I was wanting a version of this Metro that has a, a 1050 or something with the two USBs where it had USB host and a trace port. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping we're going to, you know, we're slowly getting, look, just getting the IMX Metro out was like a really big deal. I want to get the yeah. IMX feather out and then we're going to do more. It's just, I am, you know, you, you've seen my list of, of hardware totally. working on. It's nonstop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're complicated chips uh, for sure. Uh, we had tons of, problems with caching with the USB host stack that we're finally, I think, 
through that. Like we turned the corner, I think, on USB host on IMAX. All just thanks for your hard work. Yeah. All right. And uh, special thanks for Scott for being a, a pioneer and someone who's putting in more value than extracting from this thing we call technology and everything. I think one of the neat things about um, the open source that Scott's doing is you're empowering so many people to do things forever with something they right. purchase or work on, which is unlike anything else. Like any time you work on something that's, you know, Adafruit or Scott's worked on, that's yours forever. No restrictions. Yeah. It's, it's, it's open source. And there's a lot of lip service that people are like, I love open source. Okay. Well, there is a way to really show it, which is um, let it, let it free. And when you put the users first, um, right. people always say, we love users, except for <laughs> when they don't. And so if you think about it, like, what's the best possible thing for a user? It's like, oh, I can get modifiable files. I yep. can get the firmware, the software. I can commercialize it and not have to talk to you or ask you or beg you or sign an NDA or do anything. Mm -hmm. And um, there's things like CircuitPython, 400 different boards, people running companies don't even know Adafruit has anything to do with teeny USB, like all these things that people are able to do. And um, you know, the, the maker movement has changed quite a bit. Um, and I hope these stories get out because it's unique and weird. And there's only a, you know, a, a limited number of us because when businesses aren't doing so well, they um, sell out the users, they try to go to businesses and then they claw back all the, this is a Cory Doctor quote, they basically sell out the users. Right. And if, when you want to put users first, open source is probably the biggest signal that that's what you're doing. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, and, and you and I were talking about like personally, it's it's in my best interest to work with tools and software that I would have if I left Adafruit. Right? Yeah. Like I, like I was at Google before, and the moment that I left Google, I didn't have access to yeah. the tools. The human tools capital. that I learned to use, or or the the code that I've worked on. So. Yeah, and like even little things like when you do public form support or you put up GitHub issues, so that human capital that thought those things can be searched and found, and like other right. people can do things with it. When something's closed and private, and like all the work you did at Google gone forever. Who knows where it gone gone. Um, all the work that you're doing is out in the open and you can always refer to it mm -hmm. and it seems like the best way to go but anyways totally um thanks for coming by scott <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on the soapbox yeah you don't have a choice you get your, everybody get <laughs> oh your i'm happy to be there all right, all right next up uh jp what you got going on hey i have uh melissa showing up suddenly no <laughs> now i have this <laughs> as a project <laughs> I, I just not work on melissa i was working on this though uh which i'm very excited about this is my uh inexpensive uh diy version of a very cool sort of art piece called the ambient machine by an artist named yuri suzuki uh and this version uses a metro m7 and 10 different wave files that i'm playing using a little i2s amp through a speaker that you can kind of see back there. Uh, I just mounted a USB-C to it there for power and data. So I've got it plugged in right now just to a, a battery pack. And what I can do is I can flip any of these 10 switches to play different sort of ambient soothing or not so soothing ambient sounds. And then I can also toggle their uh, volume levels from low to high using this second row. Uh, so I'll just flip a few of these on and you'll be able to hear of a noise machine type of ambient thing. I've also got some little musical tones happening in here.
So it's kind of nice for just constructing a, a sort of soundscape uh, noise machine type of thing to have in the background. Um, and I made it pretty much uh, entirely from Ikea drawers. Uh, I have some little extra bits of poplar that I added for the, for the legs there and for some spacers. Um, but the, the main cabinet is made from a couple of these inexpensive drawers that come with uh, a little $30 Ikea uh, cabinet set. Uh, so this is what I've been working on. It's all written in CircuitPython. It uses Audio Mixer uh, to be able to have all of those sounds playing at once and then uh, me flip them in and out uh, just for the volume level. And I can also uh, toggle those between the two levels. So I'm um, working on a learn guide from this. Uh, come on by tomorrow to my show and I'll talk a little bit about uh, finishing up the code on it, which I just uh, submitted to our learn guide on on github uh, and you'll be able to build your own soon okay yeah this is what uh, this was assigned you know jp um knows this of course we would use but i wanted to see like how many wave files could you mix on an imx rt11 uh m7 chip and turns out at least 10. handles 10 easily it seems yeah Has anyone ever figured this out before is this like well what, what's interesting is you know jp started with the sd I, I card would, i wouldn't have known what to guess no, i, I would have said either. like i don't know five either five or <laughs> three thousand um off of the flash there. memory it's very very fast you have very yep. high speed q spike memory off of the sd card it's not nearly as fast um yeah. it's only you can only do three which you know i think can maybe be you know i'm it, it's uh, the QSPI is much faster because, of course, it's quad, um, and there's no SDIO interface on the IMX RT1011. But I think it was still interesting for us to like try to figure out. Um, it's a, it's a goal of mine to have something that can mix um, a large number of audio files from Wave because it kind of tells you you have a, mm -hmm. a, everything very optimized at that point. But um, yeah. even off of SD, off of the internal flash memory, this is great. It comes yeah. with eight megabytes of internal flash. Yeah, so I've got ten pretty nice sized uh, waves on there. And we are gonna work with, uh, like you said, uh, figuring out what are the um, limits that we can push SD card if we use some tricks with frequency and, and uh, possibly buffering. So we're gonna get uh, maybe Scott and Jeff to also take a look at it and see if yeah. SD card can still uh, pull off some of these cool tricks. Yeah, it's a bummer there's no SDIO. You really, you really do need to have, um, you have to, need to have the, that built into the system to, mm -hmm. to get those speeds. But there's there's a couple other hacks we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're up for it. We're up for it. All right. So that's that, uh, that, Ambient that, Machine. JP, see you tomorrow. Bye, JP. Thanks. All right, Melissa, what you got going on? I have this uh, message board that I've been working on. It's running off of a Matrix Portal S3 and running CircuitPython. And uh, I've been trying to see how much I could get it to do. Um, there's a new library called Bitmap Tools that I was trying out for a while because it has like some options like alpha blending in there that I was trying to get working and I just couldn't quite get that working. So I kind of scaled it back to something a little simpler. So it's just basically running uh, graphics where I can specify uh, certain colors to be transparent and then um, a label of custom font and just scrolling that. Um, so I'm gonna add some effects to that too as well, um, but not quite as many as I was hoping to add. Um, so yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa. Yeah.
Alrighty. No way, what you got going on? Howdy, folks. Uh, yeah, so this week we are releasing our lightsaber project with the the new Feather Prop Maker RP2040. Um, Lamar, you suggested trying to send our STL files off to uh, 3D printing service. So we had the hilts um, 3D printed in resin from JLCPCB. Uh, and they came out really good. So there's zero layer lines. And they also have the, uh, the option to like have them sanded for you. So it came out really nice and smooth. They handle all of the, um, you know, adding supports and printing it in resin and, and then post-processing it while sanding it. That's a really cool option. Uh, it only cost me $30 to get these parts uh, printed in that resin. And that includes shipping, too. So if folks are looking for a way to get really high-quality 3D-printed parts, uh, check out some of the 3D printing surveys. These days, they are a lot more affordable and accessible. Um, I also have the FDM version here. You know, filament has also come a, a long way. So you get like this sparkly, shiny glitter. But you always get the layer lines. Like you can kind of see there the Z seam. Um, but uh, it's really nice to, uh, to have that option now to get really high quality resin parts printed for you. Um, and I think going forward, we're going to we're going to submit our designs um, once we print them out and like t test them, make sure they all fit and stuff uh, to to like uh, JLC and PCB way. So that How, how's the threading like, you know, because there's that oh. part screws on, right? Yeah, the threading is excellent. So much more smooth than the FDM. Nice. Yeah. So those I didn't, even, I didn't even hear like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. Yeah, right. It doesn't it doesn't have that friction, that nasty yeah. kind of sound you get. Um, and what about like shrinkage? You have to like account for like the shape changing. No, actually, all the tolerances are just about the same. So, like the button, for example, would have some shrinkage normally, but it came out really well. Um, also, the um, the little PCB holder like slides in and slides out nicely. So um, all that it's stuff. Amazing. Came out it's really amazing. Well. Yeah, how how good the quality is. I you know I, just, I wanted you to try it out because it's like. You know, we know it's especially on our team, you know, everyone has a 3D printer, but they're like, oh, it's in storage. Or like, I haven't calibrated it in a bit. And I thought, you know what, let's, you know, but definitely it's always good to do projects where you can do the print yourself. Um, but I think the services have gotten better and, and the pricing and speed have gotten pretty good. And I, I like to have, I like that there's, it isn't like $150 anymore. It used to be very exactly. expensive to send out 3D prints, but now, and, and but now they come out so great. Yeah, totally. Anyways, good work with that. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thanks to the prop maker feather, like this thing can be taken apart without too much hassle. And uh, that was a big, uh, very helpful when you're like taking photos and documenting it. Like it was such a pleasure. To, like, oh, I, I need to get photos of this thing. I forgot. Let me just take. Yeah, it apart compared to the last minutes. one, this is like the instructions yeah. are like you solder two wires, you're done. And um, yeah, I, I, you know, progress marches on. And I love that the new amplifier. I think is nice and and good quality. Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. And right. shout out to Liz. I asked her to, to write some uh, some code so that uh, we can change the uh, the color of the LED because that's one thing I've always wanted. So it's really nice to uh, to you're have that. Now you're Obi Wan. Now you're Luke. Uh, now I'm Mace Windu. I think he's, he's got purple. the purple. Yeah, he's got the purple what's, one. What's a Silka? She has white, right? Yeah, I didn't add white, but I could add white. There you go. It's kind of white. It's a uh, Ray Ray yeah. Skywalker. Yeah, she's got yeah. the the yellow one. So, All right. Uh, yeah, check out the learn guide, folks, and uh, find out how to build yours. And check Sweet. out. Uh, we play the video tonight. All right. Thank cool. you, Noi and Liz and Pedro, of course. All right. Let's. We're gonna do Mark, DJ Devin, Rex, then Bob. Mark, what you got going on? 
All right. Um, sorry, I have too many windows open. Uh, sorry, I have been really busy lately, so I haven't had much of a chance for projects. But I was out playing Ultimate uh, a couple weeks ago. And summer here, we get a fair number of storms, and we're debating airplane or thunder. So I realized it would be really useful to have something on the sports fields that would tell you if there is lightning in the area incoming. Uh, so I do know SparkFun does sell a lightning detector, but rather than take that route, I was just like, well, I want to build another board. So I found there's a chip, the AS3935, that will detect lightning and help filter out local noise signals. Uh, so I haven't got the whole project done yet. I want to put it in an enclosure and 3D print something. But right now I've got the small board in sort of the lower right um, that will, in theory, detect lightning. The problem is since I've managed to solder it up, there hasn't been any storms. Um, so it's blinking that everything is OK. Uh, so it's kind of like Homer's everything's OK alarm right now. It's uh, constantly telling me things are all right. So now I just have to wait till the thunderstorm hits to see if it will actually record the data properly. Oh, OK. That's. That's it. Do you want to put us in? Yeah. Wait. Yeah, you have to add us. Sorry. <laughs> wait. We, uh, we also we, have too many windows. We have too many windows. Sorry. Yeah. Common problem tonight. Ah. Where is? Oh. Sorry. Oh. Oh. Okay. Whew, we're back. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Sorry. Hi. Sorry. <laughs> a lot going on here. Um, okay. Don't get hit yeah. by lightning, and everything's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. So now I'm patiently or impatiently waiting the oh, next thunderstorm. How How are you liking that chip? I've seen. You know, the AS was it the seventy something, fifty seven, thirty five, or whatever. It It was easy to bring up and communicate with. Um, so far, I've only tried it on, it was an unexpected maker, Tiny S2, and it was causing a lot of interference. This is with the unexpected maker's Feather S2, and it seems much better. Hmm. I'm not sure why. I was, battery power help versus USB. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a, um, you know, I, I saw some people, they had, um, you like a, a stove lighter and they use that to trigger the lightning? That's a good idea. Uh, that's a good idea. I've got one of those. You know what I'm talking I about? Will... A little clicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barbecue lighter. It's like it's the thing that lights the gas stove. Yeah. Those, I, th I think those, um, if you hold it close enough, it'll set off the um, the um, detection. So you can use that for testing. Yeah. That, that's definitely a good test. In theory, the single filter out non-lightning signals. I'm not sure how. Uh, there's something. In the only reason I know this is one of the guys I actually play Ultimate with works for Environment Canada, our uh, weather agency up in Canada. And he said there's actually a distinct signal in lightning that they can detect with their much more expensive detectors. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, so, All right, I love those sensors, and I like your your PCB outline. Yeah, cool. I, that was most of the reason I designed it is yeah. I wanted to put a lightning bolt. Of course. All right, let's All see right. if I can get these windows working. All out. right, thanks. Sorry about that. All right, so, we're gonna right, do. Um, we got about ten minutes left, so as long as everyone keeps it to a couple minutes, yeah. we can still get everyone. Keep it to DJ two minutes. Devin, what you got going on? 
Hello, I have been working on my Fitbit. This is running CircuitPython eh, 8.2.2, the latest version. Uh, and thanks to Anecdata, who helped me with NVM uh, storage, because this ex expects to run on a callback server. Like they're, they are very kind of corporatized, and I had a very hard time trying to get this to run on a microcontroller. Um, so I got around it by using NVM storage, uh, my first foray into NVM. And if I disconnect this using only the battery Ooh. and then hit reset, it should reset. Did that not reset? Maybe it didn't reset. Maybe it's not resetting. Maybe I did something wrong. <laughs> Live demo, it failed. <laughs> anyway, um, it will store the API token into NVM. And then next time it comes up, it uses the NVM token to get back online. Otherwise, you would have to recreate your API token over and over and over, you know, using their That's web cool. tutorial. You made, kind of thing. you made a cookie. Uh, yeah, I, I stored basically a, a, a cookie on using NVM which gets around their callback server. And you also don't have to run boot.py in order to write a file. So you can use NVM. I didn't know that existed. So that was a, a real cool way to get around it. And nice. also I love swag and sticking with the ethos of the maker community. I made my own. Oh, good. Because oh, you guys wow. don't sell that. Yeah. And I wanted, it, I wanted it to be really, really hot so that it would give me a fever. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's nice. And it's really, really custom. Oh, more capital. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Yeah, we decided that, you know, we, when we put the logo on something, it's it's the, our circuit boards, you know, the Adafruit logo. But as long as people aren't selling things, they can take you notice it's not it's not twisted. It, no, know, but like, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. This, this is what we like to see, like people in the community, because like we saw a lot of bad swag, like shot glasses and like, uh, so we thought like if people want to put the logo on something, um, that's fine, because at least there'll be something special that they want to do. But if you want the Adafruit logo from us, it's on a circuit board. We might change our mind later, but that looks great. Yep. I, I've always wanted either, you know, an Adafruit t-shirt or a hat, like things that I'm into. Like I like the swag stuff. Um, and I was really disappointed when perusing the store that they didn't have one available. So yeah. I was like, you know what? After a couple of years, I'm still into Adafruit. Screw it. I'm going to yeah. make my own. <laughs> In the chat, someone said, you know, you can always wear the circuit boards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I'll staple to one to myself someday. Always an option. All right, All right thank you. All right, have a good night. All right, next up. All right, we're gonna Bob. go to Bob. They're flying things in Rex. Bob, what you got going on? Hello. Hello. Well, good morning, afternoon, evening. For yeah. All the good time day. Going. So, I have some software that I've written for embedded keypads. I think I can switch to my screen. Yeah, if you share a screen, I can add it. Uh, but if you can't, I can come back to you if you want to start messing around with that. Uh, so I can so get I to can everybody. Go. Screen one. Wow. Okay. Yes. Whoa. All right. Okay. Is that big enough for people to see? Yeah. Okay. So. There's a lot of ways to hook buttons to microcontrollers. You can obviously do a one-to-one -one between the button and the pin of the micro. Uh, the classic way is a matrix, not unlike what you see here, where, can you guys see my cursor while I'm doing yeah. this? 
Okay, so this is basically outputs on the micro, and you'd scan one output at a time and then read the inputs and see which button's done. The other thing that this here is going to show you a solution for is a analog keyboard. So we tell it a uh, uh, worst case contact resistance. Say we're going to do a four by three array. Um, maybe you got a 12 bit A to D converter with four counts of accuracy. Data sheet says maybe your impedance has got to be less than 5,000 ohms. Uh, pick from 1% resistors. This is my operational temperature for the temperature core of the resistors. And I say find resistor values. That's cool. And Ooh. A little schematic of the resistor values from the real 1K, you know, E96 values. And the benefits of this is that you now only need one ESD device on your micro, and you're only taking one pin on your micro. So this guy here lets you, if you want, you can, you know, rename. That's cool. I've never, I've never done an A to D keyboard with a matrix. I've done it, you know, with like four or five keys into one pin, but never a grid. Yeah. That's I, I, this is not my idea. I actually ran across it probably in the early 2000s. Um, and I did a stint as a field application engineer and had some customers that were challenged with this. And I said, well, I wrote some software. And since then, I've just refined it over and over. But this, that's, uh, that's great. What this does is it calculates resistor values. And right now, I've got minimum number of values selected. So these are all the same. And these are all the same. But as you might imagine, as you start stacking up the values on the top, 1% of those gets to be a significant part of one of these resistors over on the left. And you start ending up with codes that overlap. If you look here, code 1710 to 1766. Next key, I press it here, stop that. Okay, cool. All right, well, thanks for coming by and showing this. This is a, an interesting, and I learned a new thing. Today. Where can folks find out more about this? Because we'll have to I've, get the rest of this show and tell folks you have a place. Yeah, I've, I've made this available for free on my website. I'll shoot the link on the uh, Discord chat. Yeah, please do. Yeah, this is cool. All, All right, much, Bob. Nice work, Bob. Very much appreciate you. coming back and showing it more. We usually have uh, a little bit more time for show and tell, but tonight's pretty packed. But keep coming back and showing off all this cool stuff. Alrighty. All right. Thank you, Bob. All right. We're going to go to workshop. Flying Things and Rex, if you can each keep it till like a minute or so. Sorry okay. to speed around you, but it'll be worth it. Hello. 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 I have updated my costume. Uh, I have a speaker in here, so it might be a little bit loud. Oh. <laughs> that's so cute. cute. All right. That's kind of, that's really it. Uh, all right, that's fine. That's a perfect demo. All right, keep going back as you updated. Thank you so I much. Love that. Wow. That's like yeah. a horrible little digital flying fox. All right, Rex, play us out. What you got going on? Whoa. All right, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? All right. So this is the Canna badge. Um, it's been a lot of a lot of years in the making, but finally right. I got off the butt and said, let's do it for DEF CON. This one feels special coming up. Uh, this is an ESP32 microcontroller, a dev board driving 100 NeoPixels, an SGP uh, gas sensor, and also a flow meter dually that I'm using to roughly estimate the volume of what you exhale. Um, there's also mesh networking working. Actually, let me see if I could um, 
Oh, share screen. We're doing a segment on our show tonight about um, badges and using There's Python so on them. so many badges right now. Yeah, and using Python on them and more. So this is kind of neat. OK, can you see my Arduino yeah. ID? Yeah. OK, let me reset it here. OK, oh, so um, it's controlled by uh, Serial. And so I can do something like bling, Cylon. Uh, that changes the animation. It all gets saved to flash storage, so it survives reboots. Um, there's also a mesh networking chat that I implemented with Painless Mesh. So other people who have the board, you can enter like IRC-like commands and chat yeah. with each other. Or um, when you actuate any of the sensors, the gas sensor or the flow meter, it activates an LED uh, animation, but also it sort of um, makes little ASCII art updates like in the mesh chat as well. Oh, I love that layout. This is great. Yeah, we just did, this. tis the season. Um, a lot of our stuff is at DEF CON. Um, drop us a note and we'll um, get it up on the blog if you have any documentation or anything anywhere um, and if folks can check it out um, or learn more about it. It looks so cool. Okay, cool. And yeah, here, let me. Um, I'm sure it's been a couple of years of like waiting for DEF CON and yeah, you know, let me, it, everyone's going to be can there. Can you hold yet? it up closer to the yeah. uh, spin yeah. area? Oh, wow, look at that. Is that gold plate all the way around? Wow. Um, okay, wait, wait, check this out. So, this is pretty interesting. I got those from Osh Park. I thought it was bare copper, but I don't know because it looks kind of gold or something else, and it was super expensive. I didn't know. What I was doing. It's There's gold, a lot of stuff yeah, gold plated, which is it's just pretty sweet. Oh, that's yeah, bare copper. This, this is bare copper. Bare, when yeah. I put it in the, when I put it in the oven, it kind of made that like rainbow discoloration. Oh, yeah, so it's like, like titanium. That's cool. Yeah. Love it. It's hard to see, but it literally looks like it's on fire. It's yeah, crazy. no, that's yeah. that's a neat effect that you didn't plan, but uh you got. So right. happy accident. People are like Thank, thanks for letting me close it up. All right. Thank you so much, Rex. What a great way to end the show and tell this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We're going to start Ask an Engineer in just a minute or so. Thanks for making this the best half an hour of our week every single week. Even when we're not hosting, we're watching, getting ready for the show. Awesome to see everybody this week. We'll be back next week. I forgot to ask him if he had had the magic smoke come out of his door. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's. Next time. Yeah. And we'll be talking about some uh, badge projects and more on tonight's Ask an Engineer. We'll see everybody in a minute. Bye, everybody.